Today, I'll be talking on what I've captioned fasting. That is how it all began. Even this ministry, International Prayer Resort Ministries, that is how it all began. On the 2nd of September, 2017, a host of people gathered here for the very first time on a platform where there was no, there was nothing, and I mean nothing. I won't say virtually nothing. There was practically nothing except our voices and our hands lifted up. Under open heavens, no canopy, no chair, on a bare platform. And that is how the ministry, International Prayer Resort Ministries, was birthed. The backbone, ever before we gathered on a Sunday service, which was two weeks after, ever before we gathered, that Sunday, um, the second, I mean, the, this is the 17th of September, 17th of September, ever before we gathered on the 17th of September, 2017, the backbone of this ministry has been prayer and fasting. And of course, that should not be a, a surprise at all because if you bear the name International Prayer Resort Ministries, you should know that prayer is a factor. And prayer goes with fasting because Jesus said this kind cannot go out except through prayer and fasting. So this morning, I am charged by God to bring the message of fasting back to bear upon the people of God and bring it to our understanding once again, especially as we prepare to embark on the journey called Times of Refreshing from the 9th of August, that is a week today, to the 29th of August. It's going to be wonderful, I know. And in the course of the service, please take note that we're going to break our fast if you are fasting. I know I announced this earlier on, so I'm expecting that if you are talking about fasting, then we should be fasting. <laughs> but somebody will say, but you said 9 to 29, no problem. If you are not fasting, no problem. But we will end the service with the Holy Communion. So if you are fasting, you can break it with the Holy Communion and then you can eat whatever you want to eat. But if you are not fasting, we will still partake of the Holy Communion nonetheless, which is, you know, one of the hallmarks as far as our virtual services are concerned. And then also in the course of the service, we will pray for those who are celebrating their birthdays in the month of August. So let's not forget that we will do that and celebrate them worldwide, especially those who are members of International Prayer Resort Ministries. And I understand that those who are supposed to write WASI, if I'm not mistaken, are starting the exams tomorrow, we'll also remember to pray for them as well. So quickly, we are going into the message, fasting. Fasting simply means abstinence. It is generally used for many areas of our lives, but specifically in scripture, it has to do with abstinence from food. Especially food that is pleasant to the soul. <laughs> food that makes you so happy. You remember a man called Isaac. Isaac told his son Esau that he should go and prepare good food that will make him so pleased and happy so that his soul will bless him. You know the story. I'm not going to bore you with that story. 
But the story was that eventually it was Jacob under the masterminded of his mother who brought the food to his father Isaac and he received the blessing. So there is something about food that pleases the soul. That makes you so happy. That is why when you are seated before a king and you are eating and especially you are eating the good delicacies, the Bible says that put a knife to your throat. In other words, watch out because when you are pleased by a pleasant food, when you are enjoying food, chances are that you can talk anyhow. Food can make you drunk and food can make you misbehave. But how did it all be, I mean, begin? Let, that's the question. How did it begin? Where did it come from? It came from the very moment man disobeyed God and fell short of the glory of God. Something happened to the soul of the human personality. Man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a physical body. We are supposed to take care of our total personality. That is your spirit, your soul, and your body. And the truth of the matter is that oftentimes, especially in our time, in our dispensation, where we know about the recreated spirit, the born-again spirit, we often take care of our spirits, and many times we take care of our physical bodies, like what we are doing in this COVID-19 era. We are taking care of our physical bodies by practicing social distancing, using nose masks, using hand sanitizer, wash your hands often. These are all efforts to take care of our physical bodies. So we know how to take care of our spirits through the feeding on the word of God. And we know how to take care of our physical bodies. But let me tell you, child of God, I have discovered from scripture that many times we have not learned or we do not know how to take care of our own souls. That is why God gave us the month of August 2020. So that we can place a certain attention on the soul as well. There is nothing as disturbing as a wounded soul. Maybe disturbing is for, because of want of a better expression. There is nothing as hurting. Maybe that is better. There is nothing as hurting as a wounded soul. There is nothing as unbelievable as a disloyal soul. A soul that has become a rebel. Especially when your soul begins to team up with your own flesh against your spirit. These are realities in our work with God. And ever since man fell, man has been in a big dilemma. Should I say yes to the spirit or should I say yes to the flesh? And the factor of decision, the battlefield is the soul which is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions including all the affections, the desires, the inclinations, the appetites all reside in the soul. So we cannot ignore the soul as far as our work with God is concerned. And I said that it all began from the fall when Adam disobeyed God. Because man's spirit and soul and body were in unity, united with God in fellowship until man fell. 
ever since the fall of man, the flesh, which is a component of the physical body, has sought to lead the way. Meanwhile, when you look at scripture, the Bible refers to the human personality as, it says, and your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God refers to your spirit, which is the real you first. Then he refers to your soul second, and then he refers to your physical body. But ever since the fall, some even place the soul about the spirit. They mention soul and, and spirit. If you are immature, God will pardon you. Some even say body, soul, and spirit. That is even worse. But if you are mature and you have grown in your work with God, God does not take kindly how we quote him. I can give you an example. Oftentimes, I hear people say that life and death are in the power of the tongue. I look at it. I said, scripture never said that. I said, what? Scripture never said that. Someone said, ah, but it's in the Bible. Show me where it is. That life and death are in the power of the tongue. There's nothing like that. Scripture said death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. When God says death and life and now you now say life and death, you are, mis- you are misquoting God and God will not take it kindly when you are growing up. If you're a baby, you will ignore it. And we are growing. As a church, this is our third year. September next year is our third anniversary. We cannot continue to behave immaturely. We cannot continue to misquote God. If God says something, quote him aside so that let God be true but every man a liar. And so, my emphasis this morning is to just dwell on the soul for a reason because we have misplaced emphasis as far as the soul is concerned and we don't even know what fasting can do to the human soul especially when you find yourself agitated in the soul look ever since the fall of man there is an emptiness in the human soul there is a big vacuum that glory that resided in the spirit of man that filled the soul it's no longer available to the natural man except those who are in Christ Jesus. So a vacuum is created in the human soul and it is only God who can fill that vacuum. Only God. Man has used everything in this world to satisfy the human soul and it has not worked. We have used pornography. We have used sex. We have used inordinate affection when i say inordinate affection where a man begins to have affection for a man a man begins to have affection for an animal they call it bestiality homosexuality lesbianism these are things that have even been endorsed by certain nations but god frowns upon all such in his word and it is all because of the agitation in the human soul the human soul is looking for that pleasantness that used to be in man before the fall. So we are searching. We have used all kinds of research and search for knowledge. Knowledge that passes up. That makes you so proud. And yet you know nothing. We have used. What, what are some of the things that we have used? Everything. But the only thing that satisfies the human soul. Is when God takes his proper place in your spirit. And your spirit is subject to the Holy Spirit in you. And then your soul follows in that direction. And then your body. And for that matter, your flesh has no choice than to follow that order. So this morning, I just bring you Psalm 35 verse 13. 
the psalmist writes and brings out a revelation which is not stated in the New Testament but it is instructed in the New Testament. Psalm 35. The verse 13. I'll read from the New King James Version and then I'll go to the King James Version for a reason. The New King James Version of the Psalm 35 verse 13 says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. Please take note of my clothing was sackcloth because two weeks from now, I'll be talking about fasting and repentance. Next week, I'll be talking about fasting and the word. And then three weeks from now, I'll be talking about fasting and prayer. And then the final week, which is the last Sunday in this month, we'll be talking about times of refreshing. So it's a wonderful month. As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. Then he said, I humbled myself with fasting. And my prayer would return to my own heart. Alright. The question is, what was the new testament uh, the, the new king james version translators looking at when they said myself it's not enough it is true that your soul is part of yourself but in the king james version of the bible it is clearly captured he says but as for me when they were sick my clothing was sackcloth i humbled my soul so what is translated as myself in the new king james version is specifically referred to as my soul in the King James Version of the Bible, I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom. I humbled, in other words, you, that is the real you, your spirit must be in charge such that he can humble. What does it mean to humble? To bring under, to make your soul subject to your spirit because the real you is the spirit you. So he says, I humbled my soul. He gave what the clue is. I mean, he gave the tool he used. He said, with fasting. Which I say means abstinence, generally. But specifically in scripture, fasting refers to abstinence from food. Why did the psalmist say, I humbled my soul with fasting? I humbled my soul with fasting because my soul can be in a great dilemma as to whether to yield to my spirit or to yield to my flesh. When your soul is fed and fed with all the pleasant things of this life, chances are that it can become over happy if there's any English language like that. Happiness where you forget about God Happiness where you forget about the cross as a reference point. Happiness where you forget that we are pilgrims in this life. Happiness where you forget that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Somebody owns you. He shed his blood. Happiness where you begin to live for yourself instead of living for a cause. Happiness where you now begin to amass wealth and want to settle here as though this is your home. And it happens to every one of us, including myself. Where we eat and eat. Look at the beginning of this year. I know for some of us, apart from the Saturday prayer breakfast, where we fast briefly, just briefly, how many hours? Okay, let's say from 6, you get up, 
9 we pray, 11 we have closed. So just midday. That's just about 6 hours. That is what some people have utilized as far as their fasting life is concerned. But see, even if the church does not institute a period of fasting as a child of God, it is the will of God that one day you will come to that revelation that from time to time you set time aside, especially when you realize that you are misbehaving. What did I say? When you realize that you are misbehaving and we all misbehave. We misbehave because our souls, if not checked, can make you misbehave. Where you are thinking some wild thinking. Your thoughts go haywire. Where you are now beginning to imagine some strange things which are outside of the will of God. Because your imagination is part of your soul, it's in your mind. Where you begin to have a strong will to do something you know is not the will of God. And yet, it is because the soul has been fed, coupled with the flesh. So, now they team up, the flesh and the soul team up and they begin to fight your spirit or make your spirit dull. That is where guilt comes in. Your mind is laden with guilt because at that level, your soul has lost control. Your soul is no longer subject to your spirit. Your soul does not take instruction from your spirit. You don't. You no longer think the thoughts of God. You no longer talk the talk of God. You mind your own things instead of the mind of Christ. At that level, you can learn from David. He says, I humbled my soul with fasting. I bring my soul under Apostle Paul actually said a similar thing. In, in the New Testament, he said that one thing that I do, you know, I, I, I do not count myself as to having apprehended. I do not count myself as to having arrived. But this one thing I do, I forget those things that are in the past. Whether they are past victories or past defeats, I forget them. And I look forward to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and I press towards that goal. Then he said, I bring my body under. You can never bring your body under until you first bring your soul under. Because the soul is the intermediary between the spirit and the body. I know oftentimes when we are talking about fasting, what some people focus on is the body or the flesh. But child of God, it doesn't begin from there. It begins with the soul. True fasting focuses on the soul. Because when your soul is subject to your spirit, that becomes two against one. Two means your spirit and your soul are in union against your body, your flesh. And two against one, definitely the two will win. But when your soul is in union with your flesh, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are you will find yourself misbehaving and you will wonder, am I the one misbehaving like this? You will find yourself in chains. You were a child of God and yet you are in chains. Something seems to be controlling you. You seem to be doing errors upon errors, misbehavior upon misbehavior, going against the will of God. Why? Because the soul at that level has lost control. It has teamed up with the flesh against you. So, from time to time, I want to charge you, even before times of refreshing, every year, if Jesus tarries, every 
August, that is our focus. Times of refreshing. But apart from the Saturday prayer breakfast, where we fast from time to time, some of us have learned it that way, and we realize that it's effective. It's effective. When we put fasting as part of our curriculum on our spiritual calendar, it's part of the training, child of God. Because if you really want to work with God, there are times where your soul must be subject to your spirit. So that your spirit can act as a proper antenna and pick signals from God. When your soul is beclouded with so many things, it can stop the signals. So your spirit, which is the antenna, which is the candle of the Lord. The Bible says the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. It searches all the inward parts of the belly. Your spirit, which is the antenna, which is supposed to pick spiritual signals, can be beclouded. It's like trying to get signals and you're not getting it. Why? Because the soul is all over the place. You are minding so many things. Your will is contrary to the will of God. Your emotions are infused with death and filth. Because of the things that you have fed your soul with. At that level, the only thing you can do to yourself to get your spiritual antenna back, to be able to hear from God clearly, to be in charge and not in chains. A child of God can be in chains to sin if he does not know this one. By humbling his soul, you'll be amazed. I don't know what has happened to you before, but you'll be amazed that, ah, you thought that you were strong. Let him that think of his standards take heed, lest he falls. But you find yourself falling. Why am I falling? It is because the soul is proud the soul has been fed and overfed so you not say hey soul I ain't going to feed you any longer I'm going to keep attention away from you and I humble you by denying first my physical body of food so that the team that you have teamed up with my flesh will be broken and then my soul cannot come back in subjection to my spirit then the flesh has no choice than to follow. I don't know what I'm communicating. But this is the era we have found ourselves in. Child of God, prepare and make up your mind. From next week, Sunday, generally as a house, we are starting our 21-day period of prayer and fasting and we'll be praying together. Even if we don't gather physically together, we'll be praying together. Everybody will hear one another's voice on an app I have mentioned over and over that everybody should download whether on your app store or your, your, your play store or on your laptop or on your tablet you can google, uh, sorry you can download, go to meeting and we will not use the video option, we will use the audio option so that for convenience sake in case you are in a kitchen and you are still praying or you are in your bedroom and you are still praying you are in your office and still praying you will not showcase that to the whole world Besides that, it will save some people data and then we can stream that on radio and also stream it on Facebook and then allow the whole world to also join us in prayer. So from the 9th to the 29th, take note, go to meeting app, download it because we're going to use it for our prayer times and our fasting times. And we'll be announcing the period of prayer. It can be twice or thrice during the day until 6 p.m. And then you can break your fast. This time around, we are not sparing anybody, especially those who started from day one with IPM Ministries. You are not fasting from 6 to 8 or 6 to 9 a.m. any longer. We are going from 6 to 6. I think you have grown by now. <laughs> God have mercy in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, how oh, are you talking like a military man? Yeah, because I want the best for you. I humbled my soul 
with fasting. I humbled my soul with fasting. I will show you a scripture. In the New Testament, you see some instructions and you, you will begin to appreciate why these instructions were given. They were the same instructions but given by two different apostles. Apostle James, in James chapter 4, kindly turn your Bibles with me to James 4. James gives an instruction in James 4 verses 5 to 6 and then verse 10. James 4, 5 says that or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? jealously? Verse 6 says but he gives more grace. Take note. God does what he gives. I know that by grace are we saved through faith, all of us. So if you are born again, you are born into grace. But here he says he gives more grace. Meaning that we are not all of equal grace, even though we are all children of God, born by grace through faith. Because though we are all born by grace through faith, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, God still gives more grace to who? Take note. Verse 6 again. But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud. But gives grace to the humble. God. There is, I think there is nothing as dangerous as when God begins to resist you. Where you have done everything and it's not working. Hey. Ask Apostle Paul. He was then called Saul because that was his Hebrew name. The Greek name is Paul because he was sent to the Gentiles. When he became a persecutor of the church and he had letters to go to Damascus to just arrest everybody who names the name of Christ. The same man, Apostle Paul. And he even supervised the death, the stoning to death of Stephen, the first martyr. On the road to Damascus, there was a light that blinded him physically. And yet in his, in his mind, he saw a vision that tells you that physical blindness does not stop a man from seeing. He became blind for three days because he saw a light that was brighter than the noonday sun. And he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutors doubt me? Why are you persecuting me? And then he answered, who are you, Lord? Oh, I like it. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. That is what God was looking for. He thought he was Lord by himself as a Pharisee and a doctor of the law. One who sat under Gamaliel, the, 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 the philosopher and the doctor of, of the law. He had been schooled in the things of the law so much that he knew the Mosaic law. That these people were heresies. I mean, they were heretics and they were supposed to be killed. According to the law, he was blameless. Yet he didn't know that something else had started. A dispensation. The dispensation that we have inherited in this generation had started. He didn't know. Then Jesus from heaven spoke a word. He said, I am Jesus. When Apostle Paul saw, you know, he asked him, who are you, Lord? Then he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I am Jesus. In other words, listen, when people are persecuting the church, 
It is not the church, oh. It is the head of the church that they are persecuting. If it touches any member of the body, it touches the head. So whenever you are doing anything to any member of the body, beware. Because Jesus Christ will not take it kindly. Then Jesus told him, it is hard for you to kick against the bricks. What does that mean? You know bricks, that is sharp pointed object like a knife or a nail and then you are kicking, you are using your foot to kick against it. It is hard. You will hurt yourself. You will bring injuries to yourself. It is hard for you to kick against the will of God and that is the picture of what it means when you say God resists the proud. When your soul is puffed up, you are called proud. When your soul takes decisions without recourse to the word of God and you want to do anything, anyhow, God's word says do this and you choose that you want to do anything, God says you are proud. I've heard people say that God humble me but sincerely I've not found that in scripture. I've never found in scripture where God asks us to pray that he should humble us. In fact, verse 10 clarifies my point. In the subsequent weeks, I will deal with the verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 into 10. But let me go to verse 10 today of James chapter 4. He says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. God never said pray to me that I should humble you. Never. It's not in scripture. Because you have the power of choice. It's in your soul, your mind, your will. Give you the ability to choose that I'm going to humble myself. And David has shown us a secret in Psalm 35 verse 13 that I humbled my soul with fasting. So when God says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, not in the sight of men. When I teach two weeks from now about fasting and repentance, you understand what I mean by not in the sight of men, but in the sight of God. Humble yourselves. Here, take note. Though the English language says souls, you can appreciate from what we read in Psalm 35 verse 13 that he's talking about the soul. Humble your souls in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble. Bring under your soul in subjection to your spirit. He resists the proud. means that he will oppose you actively. That's what it means to resist. When God opposes you actively or actively opposes you, that is not God humbling you. It is called humiliation. There's a difference between humiliation and humility. God demands that you humble your soul. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. But when you choose not to do it and God comes in, it is hard for you to kick against the bricks because he resists the proud. The opposite of humility is pride. Is that not so? So either you choose to humble your soul in the sight of the Lord or God will resist the pride. And when God does it, it will humble you. It will humiliate you. You can bring injuries to your life. You can suffer spiritual casualty. I believe a man like Himenaeus and Alexander who, you know, started teaching strange things. And Apostle Paul referred to them that, you know, they have made shipwreck of their faith and I even overthrown the faith of others. I believe. Then he said that, whom I've delivered to Satan. Apostle Paul said that. So that they will learn not to blaspheme. When you are delivered to Satan, 
I think it's, it's something equal to God resisting you. May we not come to the place where you are delivered to Satan as a child of God. These were children of God, him and I was, and Alexander. When Apostle Paul told Timothy that, you know, uh, according to the prophecies that have gone on before in you, that by them you may wage a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having done away with concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Then he mentioned Himenaios and Alexander, who were blaspheming and saying all manner of things. That is the proud. And when God begins to resist such people, it will be open shame, open humiliation, not humility. When you are humbled, humility is very beautiful. Humiliation is it's nasty. Humiliation is not pleasant. So when somebody humbles himself, he becomes a beautiful person in the sight of the Lord. When your soul is humbled, you are pleasant to deal with. You are easy to go with, both with God and with man. When you find somebody who cannot click with anybody, especially cannot click with even members of the body of Christ. You cannot flow with anybody. You find fault with everything and everybody and every day you are finding chances are that there is something wrong with your soul. I said, when you find somebody, a believer, who cannot flow and is a believer, even in, in, let's say, marital relationship, a believer wife, a believer, husband, you cannot, you cannot just leave. There is something called marriage. Marriage is, is a phenomenon. It was God who instituted the marriage, I mean, relationship. And you cannot just fit in. You, you just cannot do marriage. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Because your soul has become a rebel in your personality and you don't even know. And the day God steps in to resist you, will betize you. That is why before he resists you, he says, you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he may lift you up. You've got to do it. And how do you do it? Psalm 35 verse 10 says, I humble my soul with fasting. I humble, I do it myself. You've got to do it. Yes, I know some people are pregnant. We may do it on your behalf. Some people are on some medication. We may do it on your behalf. Some people are lactating mothers. We may do it on your behalf. But for the rest of us who are strong and able, let's get into this journey of fasting. Unless you are a baby Christian, we can spare you maybe 9 to 12. I'm 6 to 12. Okay. But those of us who have been around for these three years, let's go the journey together because something will happen to our souls that will make us so beautiful. There is nothing like as beautiful as humility. Humility is beautiful. It smells good. It's attractive. It's pleasant. When you meet a beautiful soul, you always want to be around that person. When you are talking with a beautiful soul, it is pleasant to hear the person's voice. But when somebody is proud in soul, even when he says sorry, it sounds like an insult in your ears. <laughs> I don't know who I'm communicating to or communicating with. Oh, may God give us a humble soul. Let me go to 1 Peter 5 to show you the same scripture. 
Apostle Peter also gave the same instruction. First Peter chapter 5 verses 5 and 6. Oh, he says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Okay? You see, I said to humble means to bring your soul in submission to your spirit. And now he is giving an instruction to the younger ones to submit themselves to their elders. Then say, yes, all of you. Now he tells to all of us, all of you, be submissive to one another. This is called mutual submission. In Ephesians chapter 5, Apostle Paul also gave a similar clue. Before he spoke and said, wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands. Actually, before the verse 21 of Ephesians 5 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. There is something called mutual submission in the body of Christ. Where I prefer you above me. You prefer somebody above yourself. And in honor, we prefer one another. If you are proud, you can't do it. If your soul is not taught, it's not schooled in the things that I'm teaching, you can't do it. Even when you abstain from food, but you don't have this understanding at the back of your mind, you may be fasting. I see people fasting, and their mind is that I'm fasting for power. You will get something called strange power, strange fire. We don't fast for power. I've not found that in scripture yet. Can I say that again? I said we don't fast for power. Three weeks from now, is it three weeks or two weeks from now, when I'm, I teach on fasting and prayer, you will discover that fasting actually brings the soul in subjection to the spirit and therefore automatically the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you has room to flow from within you. That's power. But the power is already there except that something had damned it. Something damns the flow of God's power from within the believer. And that is called the soul. Your own soul can be a hindrance to the flow of God's power. So don't, if at the back of your mind you are fasting so that you can become powerful like that other brother or that, that other sister, then you are wrong. Your motive is wrong. Therefore, you will not get the right results. That's what I'm talking about. So it's not just abstinence from food for abstinence sake. It's abstinence from food because you have the understanding at the back of your mind that I'm doing this so that my soul will submit to my spirit and therefore I will have the willingness to submit to others. Bible says submitting yourselves one to another. He said you all be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Hey! Did you hear that? You put on humility as a cloth. Have you met a proud person before? It shows. Just like if you see a soldier, I said this is a soldier. He's dressed in a military uniform. If you see a police, he said this is a police woman or a policeman. She is or she, he or she is dressed in police uniform. If you meet a customs officer, fine. The same. A banker. Bankers dress in a certain way. Farmers dress in a certain way. So when you are clothed with the appropriate uniform, we can see it. Likewise, if you are clothed with humility, we can see it. Even if you are a choleric. Cholerics are by heart, you know. The fact that somebody is a sanguine, or sorry, um, a melancholy or phlegmatic, doesn't mean they are humble. Somebody can be a melancholy but very proud in heart. Phlegmatic but very, very obstinate. Die hard. His mind is made. 
Such people, they can be thorns in your flesh. You have no idea. Phlegmatics who are proud. You have no idea. There are the people, when their wives are suffering in marriage, they don't care. They don't, they just, they just don't care. They become, they become wicked. Let me put it bluntly. Wicked. Wicked. So insensitive. So callous. If the person is even dying, oh, I don't mind. Just because you are hurt. Oh, oh. Let me not go into marriage because if I start, we won't finish. <laughs> this man. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Then he said, for God. Here again, Apostle Peter is reiterating the same message in Apostle James' letter. He says, for God resists the proud. Then he said, but gives grace to the humble. So I said, it is true that we are all saved by grace through faith. But we don't have equal grace. After we are born into grace, there are those who have more grace. There are those who have multiplied grace. There are those who have overflowing grace. There are those who have grace upon grace. Bible says that, you know, of his fullness have we all received and grace heaped upon grace. Have you bought gari before? They use Olonka and then they can measure the gari in the Olonka, okay, in the container and then they fill it to the, just the brim and you have no option than to just take it like that. There are those who can also fill the gari and then they will heap it and heap it until there's an overflow. Bible is talking about overflow of grace. God gives grace to the humble. He does not give grace to all his children. He gives grace to those who humble themselves. And we have seen the formula if there is any word like that. The formula for humbling yourself is fasting. So it's not a question of whether you like fasting or not like some of us. Ordinarily, I wouldn't want to fast because I was not brought up that way. I've shared my message before of how God turned my fasting life around. But even that, sometimes you need the encouragement of other brethren who have that grace so that iron sharpeneth iron. And then we can all bask into it. I did that last week and I realized, oh my God. I, I never knew fasting is that sweet. Fasting, it can be sweet when you have people of like mind who are fasting with a certain understanding and they are sharpening you with their grace. It became so beautiful last week and I said, oh, I want to continue. So I'm, I'm prepared. I don't know about you, but I'm using this message to also help prepare you so that from the knife to the 29th, we can all go on this journey together. And you'll be amazed. Grace. Somebody say, why grace? I'll tell you and I'll, con I'll conclude with that. Why grace? Why does God give grace to the humble? What is the need for this grace? I pray you will get this one because when you get it, you will discover the secret to the victorious life. He gives grace. God resists the problem, but gives grace to the humble. In fact, verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Don't go and fast, asking God, God, exalt me, lift me, give me more power, give me more anointing. It will not be answered. Even if you see anointing and power flowing from within you, it's not because you asked for it. It's because your soul, some way, somehow, was humbled with fasting. That's why power began to flow from within you. But if you don't know, you will take the credit, thinking that your fasting gave you power. 
That is why you must know. The right knowledge helps you to live rightly. But if you don't know, you can misbehave. Even when you are, I mean, when you are gifted by God, you can misbehave. Anointed by God, you can have a very bad character. Why? Because you don't know that it was fasting that humbled your soul and you are supposed to stay humble. Now that power is flowing from within you, you have become proud because you believe that you paid the price by fasting. That is why power is flowing. So now you begin to put price on the power. Bring thousand Ghana cities and let me lay hands on your handkerchief. Bring, who, who, who made you an authority like that in the body? You. Karaba Santos Bras. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me end with that. Apostle Paul talks a story. His own experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Take your time and read that chapter. You will love it. But my emphasis is from verse 7. The man had abundance of revelation. He had encounters. He was even caught up to the third heavens, to paradise. And he said he had things that were not lawful for a man to utter. He, he had strange encounters with God. And obviously, such person, when you meet him, you would want to worship him. Look at a man like Moses. The spirit of God is bringing to my spirit. A man like Moses. Do you know that when Moses died, an angel and Satan contended for his body? Nobody knows the burial site of Moses till today. Because if Moses was buried in a place that everybody knew, do you know what would have happened? It would have meant that some people would have gone to worship him because the man was a career, a literal career of the Shekinah glory of God. At a point in time, he was talking to the Israelites and he didn't even know that his face was shining. He carried glory. He carried power. So when such a person died, God said, mm -mm -mm, I'm going to take you and bury you in a place that you do not know anything about. Thank you. I'm going to bury you. And Satan was contending for Moses' body. I'm telling you. <laughs> but thank God, God, God's angel prevailed. And so Satan, I mean, has no access to Moses' body. God buried him in a place that nobody knows. Scripture says so. Apostle Paul also went into that dimension. The man said he was caught into third heavens and heard unspeakable things which are not lawful for a man to utter. Can you imagine? You hear things and God says, this one, don't say it. It's not lawful. What could be that thing that Apostle Paul must have heard that it's not lawful for human society to begin to discuss? I think it must be something, something else. That also, now, he tells us in 2 Corinthians 12 from verse 7, he says, unless, or you will say least, whichever one that you pronounce, the English people can help us. Unless I shall be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations a thorn in the flesh was given to me what is this thorn? he says a messenger of Satan to buffet me come on this is a servant of God but so that you will not become proud and become puffed up in the soul and begin to misbehave and begin to accord worship to himself. It happened to Lucifer. I'm telling you, Lucifer, because of the exceeding glory and the beauty and the honor of the anointing that was upon his life, he was puffed up and felt that he could also ascend to the heel of God and that he could also be like the most high God. 
And God said, I will bring you down. That's how he came down to the earth. And his place was hell. From hell to the everlasting fire. Unfortunately, he has managed to carry some human souls also to join him in hell. How sad. Don't go to hell, child of God. For a reason. The simple reason being that Jesus Christ already went to hell in your name. So there's no need going to hell. Affliction shall not arise a second time. So it, it is enough that Jesus died and went to hell in your name. All you need to do is to believe that he did it for you. So he's your savior. Then you confess him as Lord. That's all. So you don't go to hell. All right. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to give me blows. Hey, this one is not, you can go to God. God says, I'm not answering this one. But there is an answer God gave that I want us to catch, okay? He didn't remove the thorn, but he showed him something that he had. We can help him overcome the thorn. There are some things that we go through. You just know that this one is your cross. It's a cross that Jesus said, if anybody will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. My cross may not be your cross. Our crosses may not weigh the same. If I put my cross on you, I may crush you. If I carry your cross, I may not have the wisdom to be able to handle it. So everybody and his or her cross. If anybody will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So though you are following Christ, used by God, anointed by God, look at Apostle Paul, he was used by God mightily, the man who wrote, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Somebody who was a persecutor, an injurious, I mean, injurious to the church, killing saints, now became a saint and he calls himself a chief sinner. He says, Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. He didn't even say I was chief. He said, I am chief. He still saw himself as unqualified, yet grace qualified him. That's what grace can do. Like some of us. I know I don't qualify, but somewhere, some of grace has given me access to your room to talk to you. I know myself. A grace has found me. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed battle life in your hands. Majesty. Majesty. Forever I am saved by your love. Forever I am saved by your love. In the beauty of your majesty. In the beauty of your majesty. Let's sing majesty, majesty. I worship your majesty, majesty. Your grace has found me, Lord. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed by the Empty-handed by the Oh, we sing your majesty. Majesty, I worship your majesty. Oh, my, 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 forever I am saved by your love. Thank you, Jesus. In the beauty of your majesty, I love this song. Thank you, Lord. Majesty, oh, we worship his majesty. Yeah, his grace has found some of us just as we are. If you see some of us ministering, 
we don't qualify. All you are seeing is grace, period. But the man himself, he knows that he doesn't qualify. But grace qualified me. So grace becomes a cover. When he says he gives grace to the humble, you are clothed with grace. So when people see you, they don't see your shortcomings. They don't see your mistakes. They don't see your human errors. They don't see your frailty. All they see is something that looks so beautiful. Beautiful. Very beautiful. It's called grace. 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 He gives grace to the humble. So, look at what happened in 2 Corinthians 12. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, listen, some of us pray so that some things will be removed, but look at what God did. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Why three times? I'm sure Apostle Paul learned from Jesus. Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane three times. If it is possible, let this cup pass over me. But not as I will, but let your will be done. Second time he prayed the same prayer. Then the third time he said, Father, if this cup will not be passed over me, then I submit. Let your will be done. And it helped you and me. Other than that, we would never have come in would have still remained ostracized outside the kingdom. Thank God for Jesus. Here, Apostle Paul says, concerning this thing, concerning this thorn in his flesh, which was a messenger of Satan, not a messenger of God, but a messenger we are not told. So let's not begin to speculate. Maybe when we arrive in heaven, we'll quickly know that, oh, this was what Apostle Paul meant by messenger of Satan. But he says that a messenger of Satan was given to him, meaning that Satan can be God's employee, yet his name is not on the payroll. God can use Satan to achieve his purposes. After all, is he not God's creation? God created him. Do you remember Job? He asked him, have you considered my servant Job? So God can allow some things. And concerning those things, you can fast, you can pray. You can even call Jesus. This kind cannot go out except through prayer and fasting. But you are fasting, you have prayed, you have done everything. But see what God wants to achieve. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, God said to him, Apostle Paul says, and he said to me, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then he said, therefore, most gladly, oh, he didn't say just gladly, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, don't fast just because you want a particular thing to go. You just build a relationship with God. Humble your soul with fasting. If that thing must go, you won't even pray. Die. By virtue of the humility, the power of God will flow from within you and remove that thing. But there are some things that become, Paul will call it a thorn in his flesh. We may call it our cross. Thank God for grace. Why grace? I'm still asking the question. God said, my grace 
is sufficient for you. In other words, instead of asking me to remove this stone, you stay under grace. As you humble yourself, no wonder Apostle Paul said that in fasting, he fasted often. He humbled himself. He humbled his soul with fasting so he can stay under grace. And here is the picture. Let me end with this. When you are under grace, child of God, this is the revelation God gave me some time ago. And I keep preaching it because I know it came from God. When you are under grace, when grace is upon you, this is the point, the, the picture. You understand and appreciate Romans chapter 8 when Paul said, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You appreciate it. Because Apostle Paul is talking about infirmities, at least he's giving us an idea of what the tongue in his flesh was. The message of Satan. He says, infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses. I am sure these were the things that always surrounded him. His whole life was like an offering. Somebody whose life is like a sacrifice. Others were enjoying through his ministry, but he, he felt, he always felt abandoned. He actually told the church of Corinthians that, I mean the Corinth, that look, we are considered as nothing, but you are called ambassadors. You are called honorable, but we are just left as nothing. But by the grace of God, we are still who we are. He still rejoiced in that because he knew he was under grace. Grace was keeping him humble. But here is the point. When Satan comes with all the things that he can throw at you, if you are still under grace, that thing, instead of killing you, will work together with the grace of God on your life for your good. Then you can quote, and we know that all things will work together. Work together with what? With the grace on your life for your good. What we need is more grace in this month into September, October, November and December. And I'm speaking to people who live in the nation Ghana for instance. We need more grace. More grace. So that we can preserve what we have begun by the help of God since 1992 thus far we can preserve it. I'm talking about our cherished democracy that makes us the icon and the, the, the star of Africa, the gateway to Africa. Let's not take it for granted. Let's not presume that it has always been cool and collected. There's an enemy at the backyard. There's an enemy who has been contracted to split the nation into two. But God forbid, let God be true but every man a liar. I can talk like Jesus. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is no longer in the world, but we are here. And he told us that you and I are the light of the world. So, so long as we are here, we will not permit Satan. Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it proceeds the issues of life. That we can guard our heart and become guards on the borders of this nation. That we will stand as watchmen during our times of prayer and fasting. We will use the fasting period now to pray into September and into October and into November up to 7th December and beyond December into 2021 when Jesus shall manifest himself in the church by our glorious emergence if Jesus tarries. So we need more grace. If you are living in this nation, Ghana, we need more grace. I invite you, therefore, 
If you are not a member of International Prayer Resort Ministries, I invite you from 9th to 29th of August. You can join us. I'm glad that a church like ICGC, they are ending their 40 days of power tomorrow. This is their 39th day. You can imagine going on a long journey of fasting and prayer. 40 days. Some people will say, hey, me, I will faint too. <laughs> but he gives grace to the humble. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that as the Lord touches your heart, join in this fasting and prayer. Your life, my life, will never be the same again. Lift your hands. Let's bless God. Worship him. Adore his holy name. Glorify his holy name. In the name of Jesus, let's thank God for the grace to fast. And in case you don't have that grace, I didn't have it. I was one who didn't cherish fasting at all because of certain indoctrination. But glory be to God. If I find myself fasting, I know you can fast. I know you can fast. So pray for this grace, Lord. This grace in which we stand. Let me step into this grace. The grace to fast. The grace to fast. The grace to fast. Lift a voice in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.